Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Bible Belt Atheist Podcast. I am your Bible Belt Atheist, here to serve you. Coming to you live from the capital city of the Bible Belt itself, lovely Lynchburg, Virginia. Hope everybody out there is doing well. It's been a couple weeks since I've done one of these. I spent some time away from the capital city of the Bible Belt. Spent a couple days traveling, a little getaway, nice little Airbnb. Got out of town, got out of state, uh, enjoyed myself quite a bit, and now I'm back. And on that note, uh, I'm sure a lot of you have wondered, like, you know, hey, if if he has so many criticisms of where he lives, why does he why doesn't he just move? And I'm telling you that I'm here for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, I've have roots here kind of, sort of. My son has moved away. He got away from here as soon as he could, and he'll. he's told me he'll never move back here again. But I have roots here. I have a wonderful girlfriend and relationship with her. She has a good job. I have a good job. And to be honest with you, the cost of living is pretty fucking cheap. I think you'll find that um, anywhere with a dense population of uh, evangelicals, the cost of living is pretty cheap. So I don't know if one has to do with the other, but I'm going to make it fit that way. But thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back if you've listened before. And if this is your first time, thanks for giving me a shot. Um, Today, I would like to talk about something that is very important to me. And I'm doing this because it's Mother's Day, doing it in honor of all the mothers out there. So if you are a mother, thank you for everything you do. And if you have a mother, please thank her for everything she does. Now, I've always said, and I've always believed, um, that if you are a female or if you are black, I think it's ludicrous that you would be religious. The Bible does not treat women and black people very well. According to the Bible and according to evangelical beliefs in any religion, and you can travel around the world and and see how uh, Muslim women live or how women are treated and how they're expected to to live in in Middle Eastern countries. And even here in the deep South and evangelical households, women are expected to be subservient to their husband, to their man. And I think that's part of the reason why a lot of men are so deeply involved in their religions is to, they think that's an easy way to keep their woman in line, right? I mean, according to the Bible, a woman was created um, basically to be a play toy for Adam. That's what Eve was created for. She was created to be subservient. And she was also created to bear children which it makes sense to me because most men are pussies. I mean, a woman can be sick with the flu and she'll get up every day and take care of her family and do all the things that need to be done to, to run life. And if a man has the flu, speaking as a man to you, we're just a bunch of fucking crybabies. We will lay around and it, it's like it's the end of the world, right? So I think that's part of the reason why evangelicals believe women were created was to bear children because uh, 
men are just chicken shit, you know. And think about if men had babies, where it would come out from. Yeah, think about that. Uh, trust me, if men had the babies, abortion would be a God-given right, okay? There wouldn't even be a discussion about pro-choice or pro-life. Wouldn't be a discussion. So, oh, and tampons would be free, just saying, like toilet paper in a public restroom. But, um, yeah, the Bible is really um, unfair and uncool to females. And I find that to be highly offensive. I was raised by a single mother. I had a stepdad for a few years, but predominantly my life, I've been raised by a single mother. And I was very, very close to all my grandmothers. And they were very strong-willed, independent women that never let a man tell them what they could or couldn't do. And I also grew up in households where my grandparents, my grandfathers, were always respectful and were never demanding and never told my grandmothers what to do. And my stepdad was the same way. My stepdad, to his credit, was very respectful to my mother, never tried to tell her what she could and couldn't do, supported her when she went back to college, said, hey, quit your job, quit one of your jobs, go back to school, we'll make it work. So I guess it's all in how you're raised. The way I was raised, um, women are beyond equal. Uh, women make the world go round because men are pussies. We get sick. We cut our finger. We catch a cold. The world stops. Women don't act that way. When a woman gets sick, she goes to work. She cuts her fingers. She puts a Band-Aid on and goes. So in my mind, the way I was raised, the households that I grew up in, women made the world go round. And I find it highly offensive. And it, quite honestly, it just fucking pisses me off when I hear anyone say that a woman should know her place or that a, you can't do that because you're a female. That's a man's job. That's man's work. Only men can do that. I, I take it hard because anytime I hear that, the first thought I have is about my grandmother or about my mother and, um, and my great-grandmother. My great-grandmother was feisty as fuck. She didn't take any shit. So in honor of today being Mother's Day, I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, in many religions, women are not allowed to have a voice. You know, in the Catholic religion, women can't be priests. Women can't be leaders in the church. They can't, uh, they're basically unheard. And in the Catholic religion, um, it's basically forbidden to use birth control. So a woman in that religion has no say really in anything. If she's a true hardcore Catholic and her husband is a hardcore Catholic, they just, babies just keep coming, right? A lot of religions are like that. Women don't have a say over how many kids they have. They just pop them out whenever it happens. And you go even further, you go into Middle Eastern countries and you go into um, those faiths. Um, women aren't allowed to show their face. They're not allowed to drive a car. They're not allowed to get an education. 
I mean, that's horrible. I mean, that's absolutely fucking horrible. I mean, if that is living, if that is considered to be living a a good life to represent your God, then you can keep your fucking God, whoever it is. I would never, never want to live that way. I would never want to live in a way where I felt like I was trying to control somebody, male or female. You know, I raised a son. My son will be 26 in a couple of weeks. I never told him what music he could listen to. I never told him when he was a kid, well, you can't grow up and do that. I would never dream of telling somebody that. If that's what you want to do, go do it. But that's how I grew up. Everybody grows up different. Everybody has a different mom, right? Where the problem lies for me and where I get angry is when you try to tell a female what she can or can't do. And if you use religion as your reason for that, then you're just double the piece of shit. You're not just a piece of shit. You're double. And we've seen a lot in our society in the last few years, you know, Donald Trump and Megan Rapino from the U S women's soccer team had their little, their little jabs at each other. And, um, he just looked like a fucking fool as always. The guy who's on his third wife is going to talk about, you know, a female soccer player, a guy who's cheated on all three of his wives is going to talk about the conduct of a, of a female soccer player, you know, fuck him. He has no right and he has no moral standard to say anything about what anybody else might do, male or female. But we've come a long way. I think we've got a long way to go with the equality movement between men and women. Um, I'm not trying to come off as pro anything or or whatever. I'm not trying to win brownie points with anybody. I just know that I was raised to believe that you treated everybody with respect and you treated everybody fairly. And growing up, watching my mother work two jobs most of the time and put herself through school and my stepdad always being supportive of that and my grandfather always being supportive of that, it hit home for me. And those are lessons that I learned that I hopefully will take with me forever. Now I turn around in modern times and I watch my girlfriend and she works hard and she takes care of her son. Um, his biological is basically non-existent and, um, she has made quite a good life for herself. And I, I can't imagine some man telling her, Hey, you, you can't do that. You, you just, you should just stay at home and make babies. I could just see somebody saying that to her. I, my mother is the one person in my life that, I would love to see a man tell her to her face that you can't do that because you're a girl and then watch them get the fucking taste knocked out of their mouth. I would actually quite enjoy that. I have people that I work with that talk about things that they would not allow their wives to do or their daughters to do. 
And I just think to myself, I would love to hear you say that to my mother. I would love even more if my grandmother was still alive. I would love even more to hear them say that to my grandmother. Just to see them have to pick up their teeth like chiclets off the floor. I would fucking love that. And all of these guys that marry these girls when they're young and they control them and they don't let them leave the house without permission and they don't let them live a normal life without their say-so, it always comes back to haunt them. These are the guys that end up middle-aged and alone and they don't know what happened. Oh, that, that whatever, she just, she screwed me over and she left me for my best friend and blah, blah, blah. And they never, they never think for one second it was their fault. They never look back and say, well, you know, I wouldn't let her leave the house without permission. And then once she finally left the house, she never came back. I don't know what happened. Everybody at church told me she was the bad guy. Everybody at church told me that I was a victim and the devil just got to her. Yeah, that's the dumb shit I hear in this town. The capital city of the Bible Belt, the home of the evil empire. I'm surprised they let women wear pants in this town. I'm surprised there's not a city ordinance against women, women wearing pants in this town. That's how backward thinking this place is. But um, it's slowly coming around. It, it really is. Um, and I think everywhere. Well, well, I say slowly. I say slowly for Lynchburg. Everywhere else in the world, they seem to be catching up to speed pretty quick. Um, I would love to see the U.S. women's national team come here and play. And play a men's team and just beat the piss out of them. I would love to see the U.S. national men, women's team. Sorry, let me start over. I'm excited now. I got a great idea. I would love to see the U.S. women's national soccer team, winners of the last two World Cups, come to Lynchburg, Virginia, and play the Liberty University men's team. I would love to see that because the women would beat the shit out of the men's team. I would absolutely love to see that, man. I'm, I'm as soon as I get off here, I'm gonna start making phone calls. We got to, I got to make this happen. But it won't. You know why? Because they won't allow it to happen. They would never put a men's team on the field. They would come up with an excuse. They would say, "Oh, <laughs> that we can't do that. That would be unfair to play against girls." But deep down inside, they'd be scared to death. They get their asses handed to them. So it'll never happen. It'll never fucking happen. But um, we have a, a female vice president now, which I think is pretty cool. Um, she came with a lot of detractors. A lot of people didn't like the work she did as attorney general in California. They didn't like the fact that she was on the ticket. I've heard evangelicals male evangelicals in this city say, ha ha, I think she would look better in red. I think you know what that means, right? They think they're fucking clever and they think they're fucking funny. How many Christian stand-up comedians have you ever heard of? How many of them? None. You know why? 
Because you have to have a reasonable amount of intelligence to have a sense of humor. So I don't think you're going to see any evangelical stand-up comics that are going to have a Netflix special and take over the world. Nada. So um, there's that. <laughs> yeah, you do have to have a reasonable amount of intelligence to have a sense of humor. That's why when Christians say something that they think is funny, the only other people that laugh or other Christians. The rest of the world who do have a reasonable amount of intelligence just think you sound really fucking stupid. So when you make jokes like, I think Kamala Harris would look better in red, ha ha ha, you just sound like a fucking moron. You do. You just sound like a fucking moron. And I hope you're listening. I hope somebody who has said that is listening. And I hope you fucking hear how stupid you fucking sound. And it's a threat. It's a fucking ridiculous threat. You know, when these retarded motherfuckers, oh, I shouldn't say retarded. I'm sorry. I grew up in the 70s and 80s. When these dumb motherfuckers invaded the Capitol, the majority of the people that got hurt were themselves. The first person to die was one of the people invading the place. How smart does that sound? How about her legacy, right? She invades the Capitol. She invades the Capitol because she thinks that it's a religious movement, that tr supporting Trump is what evangelicals are supposed to do. So she died for that. She obviously didn't read the Bible because she would have realized that women get treated like shit in the Bible. And they're inferior. According to the Bible, Basically, Eve was created to be a plaything and a tool for Adam. I find it hard to listen to when I hear a woman defend that. And I've heard a lot of women in this town that they turn every decision over to their husband because that's what the Bible tells them to do. They will tell you that they're not as smart as their husband because women weren't created to be smart. They were created to bear children and they were created to be Adam's plaything. And that's really sad. That's really sad. So on an upbeat note, I, I just would love everybody to, Think about over the next day or two, everything that their mother has done for them. I was fortunate. I'm still close to my mother. She's still with us. And I'm very fortunate that she did everything that she did for me. Now, don't get me wrong. She's pissed me off more than once. But overall, um, without her, I wouldn't have the free thought that I have. I would not have the confidence to be open-minded. I would not have the confidence to be skeptical without her. She put that in me. She, she gave me that confidence to say, hey, when you hear something, if it sounds like it might be wrong, dig into it. Find out. Think for yourself. So moms everywhere, I hope they get the respect that they deserve 
not just on Mother's Day, but every day. Um, when I go out in public now and I go to places and I see little kids disrespecting their mothers, it, it just, it infuriates me. It infuriates me, especially if I see a family and the child disrespects the mother in some way and the father doesn't do anything about it. They just laugh. They say, ah, boys will be boys. <laughs> yeah. You're an asshole. Many on a list, by the way, so don't feel alone. But yeah, any any man that lets their child disrespect their mother is pretty uh, pretty shitty. From personal experience, I've known a lot of people that, you know, they come from divorced families and the kid goes to the dads and the dad talks shit about the mom the whole time. And it goes in reverse. You have situations where the moms will talk shit about the dad the whole time. And, um, yeah, I just think that's, I think it's a shitty way to raise a child. They create drama where it's unnecessary. You know, I guess I'm kind of getting off the beaten path about celebrating Mother's Day, but trying to turn your child against your mother just because you couldn't get along as adults is pretty selfish. Just because you can't get along with her doesn't mean your child shouldn't. So there's that. Well, I think we need to change the subject. Maybe just for a minute. So I'd like to get off of my rant and tell a little bit of a story. So my uh, step-grandmother, and that would be her legal definition, um, because she was my mother's stepmother, and my grandfather uh, got together when I was about five years old here in the Lynchburg area. Uh, Actually, they lived in the house that I'm in now. they got together in 1977. Uh, they were both single. They met in a bar. Uh, they spent several years um, just kind of living a wild life. They loved to go out dancing. They loved to go out bar hopping. Uh, my grandfather had a pretty good job. He worked at a paper mill. And I think my grandmother was working as a waitress. And uh, they were enjoying life, dating. And not long after they met, they moved in together. Um, I guess you would call it living in sin. And they never had discussed getting married. Uh, they'd both been married before. Um, my grandfather had divorced my grandmother around the time I was born, maybe a little bit before. Uh, my step-grandmother, her first husband had died in a construction accident. And um, so at that point... I don't think either one of them were really in a big hurry to get married. Um, They were enjoying their life. They were living together. My grandfather bought a house that they lived in, which is now the house that I live in. And um, they were just living, living. They had a fun life. They drank a lot. They they, uh, danced a lot. They traveled some. They they just had a pretty, pretty cool experience. And um, after about, five years or so, they started going to church. And neither one of them had ever been religious before. 
Uh, I'd never even heard of my grandfather stepping foot in a church. And I don't know my step-grandmother's um, history that well, but she never showed me any inclination of ever being religious. But they started going to church and they got deeply involved in it pretty quick. And out of the blue, they called my mother and told my mother that they had gotten married. Total shock to the whole family. My mother was kind of upset about it a little bit, but she got over it pretty quick. And um, during all this time of them getting together, I met my step-grandmother's other two grandkids, my cousins. One was a year older than me. One was a year younger than me. And we spent a lot of time together. And I know I've mentioned in this podcast before about spending summers in Virginia uh, with my cousins at my grandparents' house. The entire, you know, summer was, well, it seemed like the entire summer. It was about a month, maybe a month and a half, some years. And my grandmother every day would take us swimming or bike riding or go up in the mountains and just have a picnic. And we were outside all day. If the sun was out, so were we. Um, but... I never felt like I was an imposition to her. And she'd been in my life since I was five. And she'd always treated me the same way she treated her other two grandkids. She never treated me any different. And at the time, I didn't think anything of it. You hear horror stories now about people being uh, mistreated by step parents or other family members that aren't biological. They're not treated the same as the rest of the kids. I don't have any of those stories. My, my stepdad treated me great. My step-grandmother treated me great. And um, my grandparents quickly started designing their life around us grandkids. They planned their vacations around us. They took us everywhere they went. They, you know, when we would come up for the summer, they would, the week before, they would take us home before school would start. They'd buy us all school clothes. Um, they took really good care of us. Um, my grandparents knew that my mother, you know, once she became a single mother again after her and my stepdad divorced, that she needed help and they were always there to help. There was never a guilt trip on their help. There was never um, a feeling that you were having it held over your head that they helped. And as a kid growing up, I, uh, I guess I took it for granted. I just assumed that everybody's grandparents were like this. I assumed that everybody's steps, parents or grandparents were always like this. It wasn't until I became an adult and had a kid of my own that I realized how special it was. And she cooked for us every day from scratch. We got one meal a summer. We got to pick one meal a summer that we ate that wasn't home cooked. And we always picked pizza. So one time a summer, my grandmother would go pick up pizza for all of us. And it was a, quite the treat. We never went to McDonald's or Taco Bell or any of that stuff. It was always home cooked food. It was always swimming all day from sunup to sundown. You get out of the lake or get out of the pool long enough to eat and then wait 20 minutes like you were supposed to. But we always were wanted. They always wanted us around. You know, I knew other kids my age that their grandparents would do anything in the world to get away from them. They didn't want to be stuck with them. 
Well, my grandparents were the opposite. We were always welcome in their house. Didn't matter how long you wanted to stay, how short you wanted to stay. You were always welcome. There was always a pot of pinto beans on the stove. Uh, there was always coffee in the coffee pot. We were just always welcome. And my step-grandmother, after my grandparents got married, my grandfather told her, he said, the only thing that I'm going to ask you to do is I want you to handle all of the money and I want you to do with it whatever you want. You give me gas money to get to and from work. That's all I need. Now, my grandfather's history with money was um, was a little tough. He was he was he was a drinker. He liked to go out gambling with the boys. He'd get his paycheck. My grandmother used to tell me stories of him in the '60s where he'd get his paycheck on Friday, and she wouldn't see him until Monday. And when she did see him, he had nothing in his pocket. He'd spend it all. So he had a history of not handling money very well, and he knew that. He was aware, but he didn't want. He didn't want anybody to suffer for it. So he always, whoever the women were in the family, he wanted them to control the money. So um, my grandmother agreed and he told her, if you want to work, great. If you don't want to work, I don't care. Told her, do whatever you want to do. Didn't tell her she had to stay home. Gave her the option. Well, she decided that she wanted to stay home. She wanted to spend a lot of time working with the women's group at her church, and she wanted to spend every minute that she could with the grandkids because she knew all of our parents were busy working. Some of our parents were working two jobs. My two cousins, their parents struggled, but they always worked. So my grandmother, the door was always open. So my grandmother handled all of the money. She handled all the responsibilities. She would drive every other week the 35-minute drive to where my grandfather worked and picked up his paycheck. He never saw his paycheck after they got married. He didn't want to see it. He didn't need to see it. And this is a guy that worked in a paper mill, and he worked shift work 12 hours at a time. And they would do shutdowns where he would go into work on a Friday and didn't come home till Tuesday from work and made a lot of money from my understanding. But he had no idea how much he was making. And this went on throughout the 80s and the 90s. And he didn't know if the bills were being paid. He never saw the bills. He didn't know how much money they had in the bank. He never saw the bank statement. Well, my grandmother died suddenly in February of 2004. And my mother and myself gathered at their house. And my mother's, one of her first concerns were taking care of my grandfather. And we had never discussed money. My mother had never discussed money with her dad or her stepmother as far as where's it at, what do we do with it, so on and so forth. So myself, my mother, and my grandfather, we go to the funeral home, 
and we planned the funeral. And he knew the only thing he knew was that they had two plots behind their church that they had paid for for their burials. That's all he knew. So we tell the funeral director, hey, we've got these two spots over here behind our church right down the road. That's where we're supposed to be buried. So then they asked my grandfather, well, how would you like to pay for it? And he sat there for a second. And we all kind of sat there for a second. We didn't know how to answer. He said, well, I guess I'll write you a check if I can figure out where the checkbook is. And we all just kind of sat there and thought about it. I'm like, don't even know if he has a checkbook. We don't know. So we go through this process. My grandfather signed some documents agreeing to pay whatever it's going to be. And we leave. And the obituary comes out the next day in the newspaper. Well, that afternoon, um, my mother gets a phone call. The house phone rings. But this is back. They still had a landline phone. I know. It's crazy. And it's a lady from a local bank. And the lady says, I'm sorry to hear about your loss. And my mother says, thank you very much. We appreciate the call. She says, I'm calling you to say I'm sorry. But I'm also calling you to tell you that I have all of your grandfather's or all of your father's financial information right here at my desk in a file. In a file. And whenever you feel like coming by and discussing all this, I've got everything laid out, how your your stepmother left it, my step-grandmother, and I've got all the direction right here. And my mother said, wow, okay, well, we'll be by there in a few days. And so we go, and about three or four days later, after the funeral, we go to the bank. We sit down. My grandfather's sitting there. Still hasn't seen his checkbook. Doesn't know where it is, right? Doesn't have a clue. And she proceeds to spend about an hour and a half telling us about everything that my step-grandmother did for the money, with the money. Here's the money. She had annuities. She had accounts over here. She had all this other stuff. And basically, my grandfather, who had never been good with money, is sitting there being told, you're very well off. Your wife made many good investments. She made many good financial decisions. So that now you don't ever have to worry about money. You don't ever have to worry about your house. You don't ever have to worry about your checkbook. She went as far as to make sure that the power of attorney from my grandfather was left to my mother. She crossed every T and dotted every I. And she did it really without ever telling anybody other than the lady at the bank. She made sure that when she passed away, that my grandfather was going to be taken very good care of, that my mother was going to be taken very good care of, and that the grandchildren were going to be taken care of. That was a woman. That was a woman 
that her Bible told her that she was supposed to be subservient and not make the decisions in the family, that the men were supposed to control everything, that the husband is in charge. That was my step-grandmother. And we had our issues. She tried to force her religious beliefs on me at times. She tried to convince me of things that I was just never going to believe in. But she also treated me like I was one of her own. And despite all of her deep spiritual beliefs, she took care of my grandfather. She took care of him in a way that I don't, I don't really think he ever dreamed of. I mean, these were frugal people. These were people that never spent money unnecessarily. They didn't go out and buy a new car every year when they obviously could have. They didn't go out and spend money on clothes. I don't think I ever saw them buy themselves clothes. I never saw my grandmother color her hair or wear makeup. They did not spend money. They spent money on us as grandkids, but even that wasn't lavish. They made sure we had the things we needed and were comfortable. This is a woman who's not my mother. <clears throat> Excuse me. She's not my mother. She was my step-grandmother. But I think about her on Mother's Day because she took care of everybody. She was a true mother. And in spite of her deep spiritual and religious beliefs, she took the role as the caretaker, the decision maker when it came to finances, the decision maker when it came to when do we buy a new vehicle? Because they would buy a new vehicle about once every seven or eight years. She made the decision on how much money they gave to the church, and they gave a lot. I found out after she passed how much they gave to the church, and she was happy to do that. And I got to admit that when I found out how much she had given to the church. I was a little worried. Now, before we met with the lady from the bank, I was like, holy shit, did she give it all away? No. She took care of her family first. That was how she was raised. That, were, that was the beliefs that she learned as a child, as a young woman, that she learned before she started going to church, before she became religious. And they stuck with her her whole life. And that's what mothers do. Good mothers do the right thing in spite of what their Bible may tell them. Good mothers make good decisions. Even when they are told they're not even supposed to be the decision makers. I'm very fortunate to be sitting here talking to you and having had the women in my life that I've had in my life and even continuing to now to my girlfriend. She's an amazing woman. She's an amazing mom. My mother, we butt heads sometimes like bulls, but she's the best. I couldn't ask for anything better. I was very fortunate that I grew up 
I grew up in a family that said the women are awesome. They never told me, hey, this book over here tells us that the women are not equal, that they're supposed to be subservient, that all they're supposed to do is be Adam's plaything and bear children. That's all they're supposed to do. I'm very thankful every day that I wasn't raised and taught that shit. So on this Mother's Day, like every other Mother's Day that I experience, I try to let the women in my life and in my family know that I appreciate you, that I respect you, and that I want to thank you for everything you've done for me. Because it's been very powerful in my life. My entire way of thinking, my entire belief system was set up and instilled in me by strong, powerful, brilliant women. Brilliant women that were never going to let a man tell them that they needed to back off, that they needed to, hey, you just sit in the shadows. You wait for me to make all the decisions. They were never going to live that way. And I don't think a female ever should live that way. We finally live in a country where we have a female vice president. And one day we're going to have a female president. And they might be a great president. They might be a not so good president. But I can promise you they can't do any fucking worse. Because we've had some brain dead motherfuckers running this country. So, thanks for listening. This was and is the Bible Belt Atheist Podcast. I am your Bible Belt Atheist. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time, I hope you enjoyed it. If you came back for more, thank you. Uh, You can always reach out to me uh, via email. Uh, The email address is thebiblebeltatheistpodcast at gmail.com. No capital letters, no punctuation, just the Bible Belt Atheist Podcast at gmail.com. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms and get out there and get to sinning.